If you would grab a Bible and turn to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, it'll be on the screens. You have a few Bibles in front of you as well. But we'll be in John chapter 1, starting in verse 43. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he had started to have people follow him. Uh, he started to call disciples to follow him and walk with him. And uh, we pick up John chapter 1, verse 43. It says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee which is kind of where his home, the home base of his ministry was. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So Philip, follow me. Jesus calls Philip to follow him. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, two of Jesus' others, other disciples, Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So pause there. That's a bold claim. So here's a man, relatively uneducated, Philip, who meets Jesus and goes to his buddy Nathaniel and he says, the person that our ancestors, our families, our nation has been waiting for, a rescuer, a redeemer, who will do the thing that God has been promising to do through hundreds of years of exile and suffering and disappointment. That person is here and we've met him and his name is Jesus and he's from Nazareth. Here's what Nathaniel says, Nazareth? Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Wisconsin? I'm just kidding. I have lots of friends from Wisconsin. Or I did, but can anything good come from there? They're our rivals. That poor little town, how can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathaniel was not convinced about Jesus. And so what does Philip do? He says three simple words, at least in English. Come and see. He tells them, come and see. And that is the invitation I want on your minds as we walk through this sermon. Come and see. We'll stop right there in John chapter 1. So last weekend, I got to do something really, really fun. I went with uh, 11 other couples. Ashley and I went with 11 other couples. And we rafted on the middle fork of the Salmon River in Idaho. And it was a wonderful experience. We were hundreds of miles from any roads or electricity, just out in nature for four days on the river. That's me in one of those little fun kayaks. Didn't flip it, by the way, didn't flip it. Uh, and so we got invited uh, to come by our friends Jeff and Matt and their spouses, um, Molly and Carrie. And so that we went with these couples and had a wonderful experience. And it wasn't just a vacation. We went um, to spend time with our spouse, to connect, to talk about what's going on in our marriage. And they did a wonderful job of kind of walking us through this experience with, uh, with these couples. And, um, but what happened was, you know, eight months ago, uh, six months ago, I can't remember how long, uh, Jeff and Matt came and they said, we think you should come to this. Like they invited us and they said, we think this would be really good for you and for Ashley and for your marriage. They, they believed it would be something transformative and meaningful. They made that invitation. Now, they could have just told me it was something I should do. And if I didn't actually go for myself, it would not have transformed me. They could invite me, but they couldn't transform my life. I had to actually go and experience it for myself. They said, come and see. And I had to step into it, right? They weren't saying, hey, we'll change your life. They were saying, hey, we think this is something that will be really good for you. Come and see as a, we think this will be something really good for you. And we'll come with you. 
So I got to go with them and walk through that process and we'll come with you. So it's come and see and I'll come with you because we believe this might change your life and we want you to see the difference it makes in our lives as well. So like Corey said, today we're talking about practices of invitation. And practices of invitation are about how we see the gospel moving, not just for us, not just for me, but for everyone around us. Two weeks ago on September 7th, we had a room full of people here and we talked about the vision of our church that we didn't just start with like, here's the stuff we're gonna do, but we started with, here's the kind of people we wanna be, that we wanna be a church open to how the gospel moves that the story that we're going to tell about Christ Presbyterian Church is that we believe the gospel has the power to transform lives because the gospel calls us to come and see, to be open to new possibilities that, that we cannot get to on our own, that aren't possible on our own strength. And this four-week series that we're in right now is sort of answering the question of how. How are we going to be a church open to how the gospel moves? How are we going to be people who are receptive to the transformation of Jesus? How are we going to get this story deep into our lives together as a church? And the answer is, together, over time, this isn't a fall of 2023 thing, through four shared practices of openness. So the past couple of weeks, we've talked about the practices of reflection and the practice of relationship. And if you missed those sermons, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to them. I think they're meaningful insights into how we're going to operate as a church going forward. And so we have these four practices. Today, we're getting to the third one, practices of invitation. Because we believe that when invitation is a part of our culture, we start to ask the question, who's not here yet? Who's not here yet? Not just like who's not in our church, but who's not here yet that Jesus might be at work in their lives? And the answer is people all around us. We see people all around us and we believe that God might actually want something better for their lives than what they're able to get on their own, that practices of invitation open us to see others through the hope of the gospel. This is exactly how Philip saw Nathaniel in the text that we read. Nathaniel was stuck. He was closed-minded and closed-fisted, closed to the possibilities of newness. And Philip said, come and see. He invited him to come and see. Because we believe that the gospel is moving, but it's not just moving for those that sit in church every Sunday. It's not just moving for insiders. It's not just moving for those who have been lifelong Christians. The gospel is moving for everyone. And we practice invitation so that we start to see others through the possibilities that God might actually be doing something in their life as well. Not just in ours, but in theirs. Uh, I have a, a friend who, uh, for a little while, he was the apprentice to a traveling evangelist. Now, some of you might not know what a traveling evangelist is, but it's kind of what it sounds like. It's a person whose whole career was to kind of go from town to town, from church to church, area to area, and they would just preach about Jesus. Their, their whole job was just to try to show up at these places. Sometimes they were invited, sometimes they weren't, and they tried to share about Jesus. And my friend thought, I might want to do that for a career. And so he was like the intern to a traveling evangelist. And they found themselves one day driving through Texas and they stop for lunch at a Subway sandwich. They go into Subway and it's just the two of them and the woman behind the counter. She starts making their sandwiches and the traveling evangelist says, can I get a tuna sandwich plain? So the lady gets the bread, starts putting the fish on the sandwich and 
the traveling evangelist says, hey, do you believe that we could feed 5,000 people with that, that sandwich? And my buddy was horrified. He was like, uh, uh, we're going to do this here? Like, this is what we're doing? And I think like that's the emotion most of us have when we think about outreach or invitation or evangelism. We feel a little bit awkward and a little bit horrified and a little bit ashamed and a little bit embarrassed and a little bit frozen, right? And I'm here to tell you that's not the thing we're talking about. No, if God calls you to talk about Jesus with someone making your sandwich at Subway, I'm not gonna tell you to stand in the way of what God calls you to, But that's not primarily the thing we're talking about here. We're talking about the idea of just inviting people in our lives to come and see. But we face all kinds of barriers in our lives to that. Now, I'm just going to name a few of them, and you might identify with some of these. So one barrier we face is the idea that I'm not good enough. I mean, who am I to invite someone else to, to come to church or to come to Jesus? I'm not perfect. I don't have my act together. I do. I make mistakes. They, they may have seen me. Maybe my coworkers have seen me be impatient or rude, uh, and I don't want to invite them. Or maybe my family members have seen me be, uh, you know, pr- proud or greedy. And, and, and so we feel like we don't have our act together. The second is that we don't know enough. We have to know more. We need to know more theology, know more about scripture, and be able to explain the deepest mysteries of the universe. But consider that it's, it's a well-known truth that the best evangelists, the best people at sharing their faith are often new Christians. Not because they know everything, but because they're excited about what God is doing in their life and they say, come and see. For some of us, maybe our faith isn't that strong that we think, I don't even know if I believe this for myself. Why would I invite someone else? But sometimes it's through the practice of our faith that we actually see like, oh yeah, come and see. Oh yeah, that is good for you, but it's also good for me. You know, honestly, it might be awkward. A barrier for us is we don't, we don't like being embarrassed. We don't like being uh, the subject of ridicule. And, and as there's increased hostility that people believe the church is uh, just full of a bunch of hypocrites, which, you know, honestly it is, but because uh, we're, all, we're, all, we're all failures, but We believe in the grace of Jesus and we're trying to help people come and see the possibilities of what he's doing in our life. And then, you know, the last one I think is societal clumping that over the last couple of decades that that we spend more and more time around people that are like us and we've isolated from those who aren't like us. Pastor Tim Keller once said that in the modern West, you find out who you are by demonizing somebody. I'm gonna say that again. He said in the modern West, you find out who you are by demonizing somebody. As a society, we have, we have become increasingly identified with what we're against rather than who we're for. But let me be really clear. God wants us to interact with people that don't know him. God wants you, if you follow Jesus, to interact with people who do not know him and not just on your turf. He wants us to practice invitation because in John chapter one, we see Philip do something that any of us can do. He doesn't judge Nathaniel. He doesn't throw stones. He doesn't argue with Nathaniel. He doesn't try to convince him that his way of believing is, is wrong and dumb and whatever. Like he invites him to come and experience the power of the gospel for himself. Come and see is greater than any clever argument or wise insight. Because come and see as an invitation is not about the pressure to close a deal. It's not about being a hero for Jesus. It's just about invitation. 
It's something the church has always been about and should always be about. In fact, uh, in the last couple of weeks, Pastor John Good was, was looking through old uh, stacks of, of CPC uh, memorabilia, and he came across the very first invitation that was sent out when this church first began to people in the neighborhood to come and check it out. It was actually, uh, you can see it, it says, you are invited, and then uh, it has uh, to, to the Presbyterian Church in Edina. It didn't even have a name. It wasn't even called Christ Presbyterian Church, just the Presbyterian Church of Edina. I just want to read a couple of sentences from it. It says, A cordial invitation is extended to you and your family to attend the Presbyterian Church in Edina, which is temporarily located at Concord School, adjacent to the Edina Morningside High School. And then it goes on to give more details about the activities of the church, and it finishes with, You are invited to share the privilege of becoming a charter member and being part of a friendly congregation that has not met yet, but will certainly be friendly. (laughs) In its endeavor to establish a church which will serve the spiritual needs of the entire community. It's not just about what happens in here to serve the needs of the entire community. We invite people, like it's okay to invite people to church And it's okay to invite people to Jesus. Like both are important in a culture of invitation at a local church. But we shouldn't be ashamed to invite people. We should think there's something that's happening in our midst together that we believe is worth inviting something, someone to. And we also believe there's something Jesus is doing in our lives that we believe is worth coming and seeing as well. The gospel is a living power the good news of Jesus' sacrificial love for all people. We believe the gospel has the power to change lives, ours, mine, yours, and we invite people to come and see as we experience the transformation for ourselves, as we experience the lavish and overwhelming grace of God, as we experience his mercy and his forgiveness and second chances in our lives. We experience a beautiful redemption that we could never get on our own, that we don't deserve, earn, or achieve. And we, say, we tell others, hey, come and see. Come and see what God might do in your life. You are invited to that as well. I mean, we all know that people invite to things that they love. You invite people. You have people in your life that they invite you to things they love, whether it's that new restaurant they just went to or their CrossFit gym or their alma mater. Like people invite to what's meaningful to them. They invite people to what they love. We believe that the good news is good and that it's worth sharing and that God uses his people to share it. So to give you just a few practical insights, tips, these won't be original, of ways to practice invitation. The first is this, uh, include people in something you already do, right? Invitation is not a go and do thing, it's a come and see thing. And so as you go through your life, as you, as you go out to coffee, as you go for a walk or you go to work out or you, whatever it is, the thing you're reading in a book club, invite people to come along with you, to come and see, to be a part of your life as Jesus is doing something in you. Come and see, invite them to come along with you. The second thing is similar, invite them to come to a church thing that you do. You come to worship, you come to Bible study, come to a men's gathering or a women's gathering, you go to a youth group, you go to, uh, you go to serve somewhere, invite someone to come along with you that they might see what God is doing in your church, in your group of friends, in your community. 
I mean, I am here. I'm a Christ follower because in the seventh grade, somebody said, hey, do you want to come play church league basketball? Because they knew I couldn't make the school team. But I show up and they say, oh yeah, you want to play in church league basketball? You got to come to youth group. Okay. And I started following Jesus that year, right? Because someone invited me to come to something, right? The other, other things you want to think about, uh, when you're with people, ask intentional questions. Many of us are good at talking about ourselves, me included. What would it look like to be people that ask invitational, intentional questions? Offer to pray for somebody, I think you'll be surprised at how readily people will accept you praying for what's going on in their life. They'll share with you and keep your eyes open. When you find yourself in classrooms and boardrooms and on the hockey rink, keep your eyes open for who's around you that God might be nudging you to invite into your life, into your community of faith, to talk about Jesus, whatever it is. For most of us, practices of invitation will be about an increase in intentionality. We start where we are around people we already know, where God already has us planted. Pastor Eugene Peterson once said that the truth about me is that God made and loves me. The truth about those sitting beside me is that God made them and loves them. And each one is therefore my neighbor. So we're talking about practices of invitation because we want to see those around us the way God sees them. And what we're reminded is that nothing beats the power of a personal invitation. Nothing beats the power of a personal invitation. We want to, as a church, hold up in front of you over and over and over for months and years that invitation matters in our faith, that God desires to use you. It's not all on you, but God, God does want to use you, that invitation will open you to see others through the hope of the gospel, that we might say, come and see Come and see what God has done. Come and see what God is doing in our lives. Come and see the possibilities, the power of the gospel. Not come and see how smart we are. Not come and see how good we are. Not come and see this special knowledge that we've acquired. Come and see that the gospel is real. That the death and resurrection of Jesus has power to transform lives. Come and see that his sacrifice and mercy offers us something we could never get on our own. Come and see the possibilities of love and joy and peace and hope that God brings into our stories. Come and see. And when we remind ourselves that we are inviting people, people that practice invitation, people that practice come and see, we start to ask questions like, who's not here yet? Who's not with us? What does God have for their life? What is God doing in their story? What's God doing in your story that you might share with someone else? As imperfect and incomplete and unsturdy as your faith sometimes feels, what might God want to do through you and in you? In January of 2020, Corey Gregory and I found ourselves in London, and we were there to visit a church called Holy Trinity Brompton, and Holy Trinity Brompton is the birthplace of a ministry called Alpha. 
And so you probably heard us talk about Alpha if you've been around. We've been doing Alpha for the last three years here at CPC. And if you go back 20 years, we did Alpha 20 years ago for a while. And three years ago, as a result of Corey and I going to London, we decided to bring Alpha back to CPC. We've had over 200 people go through Alpha over the last few years. Um, But the reason we did that was because we had such a powerful experience of what was happening there. And so Holy Trinity Brompton is an Anglican church in Kensington. The the main campus is Kensington in London, which if you know, Kensington is is an affluent, stuffy uh, suburb on the southwest side of London. And this Anglican church was the birthplace of Alpha, which Alpha uh, reaches like thousands of people around the world every year to come to church and come be a part of the gospel's movement in their lives. And so Corey and I got to watch, uh, we got to go to the church there, we went to a staff meeting, to a prayer meeting, we got to hear some presentations. We saw them launch Alpha on a Wednesday night where they had hundreds of young adults packed in their sanctuary uh, for this experience called Alpha. And, and it was so profoundly meaningful that I was like, we've got to try that. We've got to do that. And I just want the two reasons why. Number one, you might think, wow, we are just a Presbyterian church in Edina. That church in London must have it all figured out. They're reaching all these young adults all the time. There must be some secret sauce that we're missing. But the truth is, that's not the case at all. They prayed a lot. (laughs) They believed the Spirit was working They invited people and they desperately thought people needed to know Jesus. They desperately wanted the people in their community to know Jesus. That's all it was. They prayed a lot. They believed in the Spirit's power and they were desperate for people to know Jesus. But the second thing I thought was this. Why not Nedina? Why not at Christ Presbyterian Church? Why not? See, the Spirit do something that sees people's lives transform and coming to Jesus and experiencing the power of the gospel. Let's be a people open to the practice of invitation. And let's be a people open to how the gospel is moving in our lives and in our church. Amen? Would you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you for the ways that you work in our lives. And I pray that today you're just planting seeds of invitation in our own stories, in our church, in our communities, that we might be a people open to receive exactly what you have for us, that we would not be closed off or closed-fisted or closed-minded, but that we would instead receive every blessing, every gift, every opportunity to let your power and your love transform our lives. Love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.